Avina, is it? Have I pronounced it correctly, yes. Avina? Avina, That's you right. are a okay. You're a spina bifida warrior. Um, what have been some of your biggest challenges growing up? Well, um, being born into a condition, a spinal cord condition, I think um, it was a learning lesson for me and my family, as I'm the first and only differently able person in my family. So it was a learning curve for me, my parents, my siblings. So I think as far as that's concerned, it, there wasn't much of a challenge. But I think um, as I was growing up at a very young age, I had to understand a very complex condition. Um, so by the time I you know, reached 14, 16 years old, I already understood the basics of what I would go through as a spinal bifida. I think that was definitely challenging because... It was beyond my age of understanding, but I needed to. It was necessary so that all of us were, you know, in the same page. So definitely that would be my first challenge. Uh, second would definitely be setting out into public. You know, um, there are not right. many of us out there going out and doing the things we love. And when I do, and when I was younger, going out for dinners and lunches, uh, mm. people would stare, you know, they would wonder, why, why am I on a wheelchair? They would come up, ask my parents uh, questions. So wow. That was, <laughs> that was definitely a lot to sort of accept, understand and, you know, work with it with, without becoming bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was like having paparazzi wherever I went, basically, without asking. Right. Malaysian star paparazzi. I mean, like, I'm sorry, but Malaysians do not have a filter. No. Right. They, and then they I just I just want to ask you, what is it like from the perspective of a young woman yeah. dressed up, looking gorgeous, happy at dinner with her family out in the evening yeah. and some person or people come up and head towards the adults on the table, your parents yeah. in this example, and yeah. start asking them questions about you. Now, you're sitting there having yeah. a gorgeous dinner. Like, what's going through your head? What's it like? Can you just give us a snapshot of what it feels to be on the invisible receiving end of rudeness? Um, I think it was, um, I love my parents for this. I think before I hit teenagehood, they would definitely take up the responsibility to answer the questions. But when I started becoming more matured, my dad would turn around and say, you know, she's right here. You could ask her. (laughs) (laughs) So then they'd be like, okay, um, all right. So what happened to you? And the thing is, um, as far as I knew, there was nothing wrong with me, right? I was just different from my siblings and so on. But what I hated the most, uh, and I still am, how you say, healing from it, is Mm. that when when someone comes up to me, they go like, they look at me and go, so uh, why are you in the wheelchair? What's wrong with you? And that was a lot to take in at a young age. Like I would come back and go, what is wrong with me? Why is me being on a wheelchair or having vitiligo is wrong? You know, Mm. and having a supportive foundation in my family, they they basically make me understand that that is how the public understands because they, you don't look like them. Right. So I think it was, yeah, it was definitely one of my challenges to, sort of, you know, be the bigger person and correct mm. them by saying, well, with all due respect, there is nothing wrong with me. 
you know the reason I'm on a wheelchair is this yeah gosh it's it you know I wouldn't be so gracious to say with all due respect I would probably turn around and go huh what's wrong with you <laughs> I throw it oh, back at them I would it is very tempting <laughs> Maybe you should. I mean, no, but you're too gracious. And see, that's another beautiful part of you. You're just so gracious about all of this. But words are incredibly powerful. They do it stick is. with us. It is. How have you worked on dealing with the hurt that comes with that? It's like repeated stabs, you know, even though they may not hurt as much. A paper cut on top of a paper cut on top of a paper yeah. cut gets pretty sore, never has a chance to fully heal. So what's yes. been your process like in terms of sort of um, loving yourself and just seeing how amazing you are as an individual? Um, I think the most important uh, element in my household is communication uh, with me and my siblings. My parents have uh, always had an open book. You know, we can discuss anything and everything. And I think um, having that comfort zone to come back and cry about or feel sad about something that someone said to me or during my schooling days. Um, I was always, I was always come, you know, able to come back and talk about it. Um, if, I, if I don't, they can read my face. <laughs> and they go like, so what happened? You know, and I'm like, I, and I'm, I'm pretty straightforward, I'd say. I'm pretty transparent. So I'll get irritated. I'll be like, you know, why that someone need to randomly come up and tell me, take this medicine, take that medicine. You know, there's no boundaries. There's no respect. You know, like, can uh -huh. I speak to you about this medication? Can I speak to you about this treatment? It's, you know, immediately coming up. But then, okay, I'll accept it with love. You know, I think it's a blessing as much as I could. But there are days that I just don't want to answer. So I'd be like, you know, I'm born with this and I'll just keep quiet. <laughs> and we'd be like, okay. Because... <laughs> I mean, come on, being a teenager, it, it was, I mean, particularly when I was a teenager, it was most difficult. You know, I just want to yeah. go out there and do my own thing. So communication definitely is the reason why I was able to go through what I needed to. Um, mm -hmm. There was no such thing as um, dismissal in my family. If it hurts me, it hurts me. And my dad, my parents would allow me or help me to find a way to walk through it. So yes, communication. Wow, I want to meet your mom and dad. They sound amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about healing. And I would imagine that your discovery of, yeah. you know, painting and art was part of that healing journey. Yeah. So when did you fall in love with this craft? So um, art came in when I was around eight, 10 years old. And um, the reason why art came in was because... Um, I was not able to, I was not accepted into uh, schools at that point. Uh, schools that did not have accessibilities for the differently mm. able, did not want to uh, work it out, you know, didn't want to build a ramp or so on. Or for goodness that, sake, yeah, yes. sorry, makes That's me okay. so angry. Carry on. Yeah, and there were schools that had accessibilities, but did not want to accept me, you know, not wanting to take the responsibility of having a differently able student. So, you know, that left me from just being at home. And that made me become a very frustrated kid because having two older siblings who was going to schools and going to tuition and playing in the playground, they had so much to come back home and tell my parents. But 
I w- the only thing that was, how you say, happening for me mainly was going for my surgeries and my checkups and this and that and come back home. Didn't really have much happening at that point. So I wanted to do what my siblings were doing and I was craving for that. So, you know, I felt like they had, you know, they, had, they were worthy of something because they were studying and they were finishing their exams, but I didn't. Mm. So my mom, you know, being, uh, she dedicated her ambition and stayed at home to look after me. She had a lot of time to teach me art, like simple things like, you know, drawing blocks and painting on leaves, you know, the simple kid stuff. And Fun. whenever I did it, my dad would come back from work. I'll show it to him. He gets so excited. So I'd be like, okay, I did something, you know, I, I achieved something, you know. And it, oh, and it started from there, basically. It built mm-hmm. up and I went to classes and learned the fundamental of art. And yeah, it started from there for, for sure. Did your art help you through, I mean, you said you had multiple surgeries. You, you must have gone through quite a bit of physical pain on your journey as well as a spina yes. bifida warrior. Did your artwork help you um, with your pain? It did. It did. Um, as much as there was physical pain, there was definitely more mental pain. Because um, like I said, um, I had to grow up very fast. Being born with a, a birth defect, I had to grow up very fast. I had to understand things more than my age uh, could. And I think that takes a huge toll on any kid, you know, at the age of 10, 11 years old. So, mm. and not being easily accepted into the public or not being included, uh, uh, the general respect as a human was not given to me for the longest of time. I think all those pain and frustration, I just sort of unconsciously put it into my art and that mm. helped me realize like okay I gotta talk to my my piece of paper I gotta talk to my paint you know and that made that, that became the source of my confidence you know so your art was kind of like your friends um how were your friendships in terms of that growing up were you able to make many seeing as you couldn't be in school um, well, after so many years of my parents um, driving and I was very stubborn to wanting to, to still go to school, uh, eventually we did, gratefully we did find a church-based school that took me in. Uh, they taught American syllables, so um, they just took me in and said, you know, we'll, we'll do the best, right? And because of them, I have a basic qualification. Um, it was fun because there was no uniforms. Uh, it was, uh, I could do a home study and I could also study in their center. And um, the teachers were more accepting. I definitely would say that because I did have a glimpse of time in government school for about mm-hmm. three months, but um, something happened there and I had to leave. Uh, so you know, when I came back, when I came to, into this school, this church base, you know, they were all my accepting. And with my surgeries back and forth, you know, three, four months, no school, go back into school, kind of flustered. Um, at the age of, I think, 20, I was able to graduate from school. Uh, so I'm very grateful that I at least have my basic education. Thanks to them. Well, given what you've gone through, I mean, a little bit late doesn't 
doesn't count. I mean, you've been busy doing other stuff, other stuff, other children wouldn't even have to, you know, wouldn't even dream about coping with. So, you know, kudos to you on that. Um, I want to ask, how has Spina Bifida affected how you create art and how you're seen as an artist? So I've kind of pondered into that thought uh, once I started selling my work, which was just about, about five, six years ago. And um, the first platform was bazaars happening in malls, those ones in the weekends. And um, and when I started, oh, I had the confidence to, to, to sell my work. I realized that when I put up my, my paintings, I hang it up for, for people to see. They were more mm. curious about me. They were more curious <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, why I'm on a wheelchair and, you know, my, and my skin condition and, and so on that. The first thing was they would come up to me and go like, so what happened to you and why are you in the wheelchair? So oh, it's the I, same questions. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. And, you know, eventually I had to, re- I, I had to come to my sense and understand that um, I had to get that over with first. Let's talk about me first and then talk about my work. So eventually I did find, a, a, how you say, a good balance to combine my story and, you know, my paintings so after I speak about my story I'll just lead them to my paintings and go listen this is what I do I do mixed media paintings which you know has a lot of layers and materials I can play with recycled items and so on and that gives me the chance to express myself in all the layers in my mind as well so you know that's when it attracts them <laughs> I love that so much I think you should do like a massive um, painting that tells your story so that you can just divert people to reading the sign that you've put up, this really fun sign or piece of artwork, and they can look at that and go, oh, okay, I get her story now. Because, um, you know, you can't be explaining your story to every Tom, Dick and Harry that comes along, right? Um, <laughs> so you talk about uh, using mixed mediums to express the different layers that you are, but the different layers in your mind, the different layers to you. That's super beautiful. Um, you. you do you run workshops as well? I did actually before uh, we were all you know into this pandemic and COVID. I had started um, doing workshops at home for kids. Um, and usually, I actually don't. I'm not a huge fan of teaching. I just love creating and selling. But I realized that um, I had an experience, a work experience. Um, renting a shop uh, with my friends to sell our paintings. And due, in that duration of nine months, I had met multiple people and kids mostly. And I realized a lot of kids were afraid to, to come, you know, come to me, approach me because, you know, of what I'm sitting on. And I can't blame them. They, they're not exposed to that. So mm. one of the reasons I got motivated or inspired to teach is because I get to, get, I get to tell the kids that, there's nothing to be afraid of. I'm just different. And I get to teach them that there are different kinds of people in this world. And, you know, they, they all do things differently. So I get to teach them art and get to sort of, you know, get them to be exposed to the different people in the world. I absolutely love that. And I hope that once lockdown lifts, you can go back to teaching workshops online for that very purpose. But don't forget to tell the kids not to be jealous that you can go faster than them. (laughs) 
Because I yes. think they'd love that, you know. <laughs> They'll be like, can we, can we sit on your wheelchair teacher? And I'm like, I'll give you the chance once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Um, all right. So you commission your work as well. So can yeah. you walk us through the process um, as an artist? How do you do this? I started, um, or at least I opened up to commissioned work um, for a year ago. And I realized that, at least for me, when I buy a painting from another artist, I want it to be able to, for me to resemble to it. I want to be able to get up and look at it and feel happy. So when I started commissioning work, I got my, my client to be very involved, you know, uh, in terms of giving me their budget, mainly giving me their budget so that I don't, and I work within their comfort zone. Uh, and also giving me the, the colors that makes them happy, that makes them want to get up and look at the painting, you know, and mm-hmm. as I'm making it, so I give, if they give me like two, three months, um, I give them a weekly update. I'll take a picture. Okay, this is how much I've done. What do you think? Do you want me to make any changes? They say, yes, I'll, I'll do it. I got no issues because you're paying me to do something that's going to be hanged up in your office or you're at, mm-hmm. at home. So I work with them till the painting's finished. They feel like they also did something. They were a part of it. Yeah, that's so powerful rather than just commissioning something. And then, you know, I understand, you know, you've got an artist who sometimes they work that way, but yeah. your way is to kind of go get involved because this yeah. is about you, right? Yeah. I'm just the, the medium that you're translating your stuff through. I love that so much. Thank um, you. So the process is sort of, they get in touch with you, tell, tell you what they like, the colors they sort of like. Um, obviously size where they want to put it maybe they have an idea so how yes. much does a process like this um, cost as so, a ballpark as a ballpark um, usually whatever commissions I've gotten so far it's you know hits up to uh, 3,000 because mm-hmm. it's like we're looking at um, sometimes 75 by 100 centimeters we're looking at half a wall sometimes or so yeah, it really depends. Um, if they tell me like, okay, this is my budget, 2000 mm-hmm. and I'll tell them that, okay, if you're giving me this budget, the canvas is going to be this big or it's going to be this small. Or this is what I'm going to work with. Uh, in, 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 if their deadline is shorter, it's, going to, it's definitely going to be pricier because I have to work on it day and night. So because I also have to sort of um, accept the fact that I have my health issues on a daily basis as well and mm-hmm. I be, I'm very frank with my client about that so I tell them that okay if you want this you gotta give me about at least two months if it's a big piece I need a few months if it's a small I can finish it in a month or a few weeks so it really depends on on that basically I love that do you have repeat customers coming back to you I do I do I'm very grateful uh, the, my first ever client who bought my first ever mixed media painting six years ago is still coming back to me for you know birthday gifts and so on. So cool. Yes. Okay. So Avina, I don't know if you know this, but yes. when we have a guest on for a free plug Friday, usually JD and I, he normally uh, creates it. Um, this time, uh, I've kind of dabbled in this. Create a free plug for our guests to use on all of their social media platforms as a kind of way for you to sort of spread the word about what you do 
So can you just tell me if you can listen to this sound? Keith, can we just test sound for a minute? Just want to make okay. sure you can hear. Can you just can test you, sound? Can you hear this? I have halitosis and I don't know why. My can you hear yes. that, Avina? Yes, I can. Okay. Okay. Can you intro again? So here's our free plug for you. The world can sometimes feel too grey, too washed out. Don't let the blues get you. Let a little colour back into your life. With a piece of artwork on your wall, whether you need bright, joyful splashes to lift you up or calming hues to soothe and relax you. Find the perfect piece for you, the kids, or even commission your own special painting from the artist herself, Avina Shakti D. You can find Avina Shakti D on Instagram and Facebook at Avina Shakti D. That's A V. E-E-N-A-S-H-A-K-T-I-D. Go on, find your colors. Hands up for your colors. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to hear your, you know, my name said by someone. <laughs> oh, you so deserve it. Like, I, I love from what I've seen of your work, there's so much life in those paintings. It's just so colorful, so, so much happiness and joy in there. So, you know, I hope you, you share that on any platform that you want. Uh, just remind everybody how they can find you and get in touch with you if they're interested in either buying a piece you already have to yeah. offer or also would love to commission a piece. So um, if anyone would like to reach out to me on Instagram, it is avinashaktidi. And um, you can drop me a message if you would like to get um, a class, a private one-to-one -one class, a group class, um, online. Of course, right now, for safety purposes, we do it online. And um, if, you, if you'd like a commission work, just drop me a message uh, with your number. And I'll definitely uh, buzz you really soon. And on Facebook, it's just Shakti D. And uh, you can do the same. 